I got to tell you, that is so nice to see. Because as somebody that's been up here on stage, you don't always look as happy as you look right now. <laughs> so uh, I like it. Let's try to keep it up for the next few minutes, okay? But good morning and Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you for spending time together here in the house of God. There's no better place for us to be today. Um, and, and thank you for coming. Um, if we have not had the pleasure of meeting individually, let me briefly introduce myself. I'm John Renislasis, a member here at Parkway, and I have had the occasion to speak here a few times before. The last time was back on Palm Sunday in 2015, and I thought, Palm Sunday? That, that's kind of heavy. There's probably only two Sundays that are higher Sundays than that, Easter Sunday and, well, today. So I don't know how all that came together, but please know that I appreciate the confidence I appreciate the, the opportunity, and I take this very humbly and very seriously. I spoke with several of you before the service started, and um, you extended that you'd been praying for me and that you were looking forward to the message. So I say very much thank you for the prayers, and thank you for the optimism. That, that means a lot to me, too. So let me know afterwards how that went. Um, as I prepared for this, my family has also been very supportive when I get these opportunities, but it's not without some, some guidance. So I got some very clear guidance from my kids leading up to this, and they put it in the form of three cues. So first of all, it was, Dad, it needs to have quality, right? So in today's teenager parlance, that means, Dad, don't do a fail. So I got to try to not do a fail. The second thing is they said, make it quaint, right? Make it personal, make it funny, tell a story to us or something. So I'm going to try my best to do that. And maybe, most importantly, they said, Dad, make it quick. <laughs> so... We're given all those requirements, I'm going to try to pull that together and give you both a message that is all of those, but also meaningful for the season that we're in. And uh, again, I, I thank you greatly for the opportunity. We all understand the reason for the season. We understand that the, the gift from God of his son uh, coming to earth as, as a baby is the source and the, the origin of our story of salvation. We also understand there are secular elements to Christmas. We understand it's a time of decorations, it's a time of lights and special songs, it's a time of busy traffic at the malls or trying to figure out how to expedite shipping from Amazon. My goal today is to try to fit all that together and to talk about a father's gifts, both from an earthly perspective and from a heavenly perspective. To that, to that end, we'll focus on four specific gifts today. The first is that a father gives lectures. In our house, these are called Chats with Dad. And for some reason, Anne has been involved in more of these chats than the others, and maybe, maybe more than the other three combined. And before and after these chats, and even sometimes during these chats, this is what Anne looks like. <laughs> and Anne's actually in the sound booth putting that slide up, so thank you, Anne. Fairly recently, she shared some advice to her siblings about how to behave during a chat with dad. And it was pretty, pretty much along these lines, just nod your head, don't say anything, and stare at your toes. So I want to share with you a little bit about the history of chats with dad and where they came from. This is a map of Kitzmiller, Maryland. That I lived there from the middle of seventh grade till I left for college. That blue thing you see waving through there is the Potomac River on the far, far western side of Maryland. And that river separates Maryland, sort of on the top side of that, from West Virginia. We put a little bit of color to this 
you'll see that Kitzmiller is no exactly booming metropolis. That little yellow square up there was our house, which is right next to the Kitzmiller Assembly of God Church. And the yellow arrows point to a thing called the wall, which was a flat walking space that was the result of a flood prevention wall that was installed by the Army Corps of Engineers many decades ago. If you saw that Potomac River on a daily basis, you'd wonder why they would ever need to put in a flood prevention wall, as it's a little trickle most of the time. But we actually did live through a pretty ominous flood situation one time, and we were all glad that the wall was there. Regardless, the wall was the most important, or was my, the site for my most memorable chat with my dad. I remember that I got a pretty poor grade on a science project when I was in middle school. Okay, a very poor grade. And Dad called me out for a walk. And I don't remember exactly how long we were on the wall, but it seemed like hours. Dad spoke to me about expectations, capabilities, and achievements. He never, he never raised either his voice or a hand. He spoke with a unique combination of a stern admonition, admonishment, caring support, and the clear expectation of a brighter tomorrow. I remember during and after that walk that I felt horrible. It had been bad enough that I got this less than ideal grade on a science project, but it was far, far worse that I had disappointed my father. I had ignored his counsel, performed poorly, and he needed to address it. Chats with Dad. They're a form of discipline. They're heartfelt, they're necessary, and they serve a purpose. In the moment, the non-dad person in the chat probably doesn't recognize the purpose, but they are being given a gift, the gift of a lecture, the gift of expectations. Lectures from God, or chats with your Heavenly Father, might feel even more stern, but the goals and results are the same. There are certainly expectations, but those expectations come with undeniable and life-changing rewards. In the Old Testament book of Proverbs, we read in chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father, the son he delights in. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, we see a very similar theme in chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, which begins, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. The passage continues to say, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? We have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by it. In these passages, we see that the lectures are a key and expected part of discipline. They are part of growth, and they are not to create bitterness. The rewards may not be immediately realized, but a harvest of peace lies ahead for those that accept this gift from our Father above. 
Discipline, rebuke, and love. Those are the things of chats with dad. And the greatest of these is love. The second is that a father gives presents. Yes, indeed, there are physical gifts involved. Now, not all gifts generate the same level of response, but sometimes you hit the jackpot. Sometimes you get that kind of reaction. <laughs> May we always get a reaction like that when we choose a present for someone. We had a tradition when I was younger that my sister Rachel, who's here today, my sister Rachel and I used to be able to choose a present uh, on Christmas Eve and open it up. And as I look back at that now as a parent, it surprises me that there weren't more guardrails around that process. Because what we were allowed to do was inspect all the available gifts. We could poke them and shake them and smell them, and we could do whatever we wanted. And then we picked one that we could open. And I remember one particular Christmas, it was our turn to go do that, and I was struck by one of my options. Absolutely captivated. It was small, but it was dense, and it was really heavy. And I, my curiosity was piqued, and I knew that was the one I had to open. I held it in one hand, I held it in two hands, I held it up over my head, and I was fascinated and perplexed by what could be so significant, yet so small. When it was time, I ripped into it, and I found that I had opened a sweet four-pack of D batteries. And that is not what I looked like. <laughs> As you could imagine, however, those batteries became quite meaningful the next day when they were associated with that electronic device that they needed to make work, whatever that device may have been. Sadly or comically, I only remember the batteries. <laughs> Sometimes we need the charge, the batteries, to keep us going more than, than we need anything else. This is when the Father gives us presents that meet our needs. In Exodus 16, we read of the Israelites in their desperate times in the desert. Despite their constant grumbling, their impatience, and even their regret out of leaving the security of enslavement, believe it or not, their father gave them presents. He gave them quail, and every morning he gave them manna, enough to recharge their batteries on a daily basis. Starting in verse 13, that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Continuing forward, it says the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little, and when they measured it, everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. A gift from the Father that met their needs consistently and fully. That's a fine present indeed. We have plenty of other examples in Scripture of the presence that meet a need at just the right time. Through Jesus, God the Father gave a timely and meaningful present to those attending the wedding in Cana. In the second chapter of the book of John, we hear the story of the wedding and the unfortunate and embarrassing situation of running out of wine on such a significant day. You may remember that Mary implored Jesus to help, and in verse 5, she told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Going forward to verse 8, it says, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn it knew. 
Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. The Father's gift through Jesus Christ was the best. He saved the day. He met needs. And he did it with the best. What a great present. God the Father made one of his greatest presents to be the people that come into our lives. Starting in the very beginning of Scripture, in Genesis 1, we hear of God's work and God's plan. And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Whether those people are spouses, friends, advisors, confidants, co-workers, members of your church family, or whatever role they serve in your life, these relationships are presents from our Heavenly Father as well. Whether the present our Father gives us is food, like the manna when we need it, or drink, like the wine when we need it, or it's the people to love when we need them the most, the greatest of these is love. The third constant is that a father gives presents. Notice the spelling difference if you couldn't hear that in my speech. You ever need someone just to be there with you, just to know someone is there? Someone to give you a lift when you're tired? Just to know that you can depend on that presence in that moment, that moment when you need it most, and it means the most to you. I remember a very special gift of presence that my earthly father gave me. This is the baseball field at my high school, home of the Southern Rams in Oakland, Maryland. We had a very good season my senior year, and I remember much of it very fondly. However, I remember one game more than any other simply because of the presence of my dad. That day, game day, looked like this. It was rough weather, but our team performed well. In all of my high school career, I pitched exactly one complete game shutout. It was that night. We beat Kaiser High School 10 to nothing. My best friend, Jeff Schweitzer, made a sliding, water-splashing catch in right field to save the shutout. It was awesome, awesome. On the, on the first base side, up, up the hill from first base, next to the, were bleachers there where the parents and students could come to watch. And my dad would always attend the game, and he would bring a lawn chair with him and sit right next to the bleachers, because quite frankly, metal bleachers are not that comfortable. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. So he would also have with him a small clipboard, and on that clipboard, he would keep track of the game, the run scored, the outs that were created, my personal statistics, all that kind of stuff. And very often, other parents would ask him for an update, because our scoreboard rarely worked. So dad was the functional scoreboard for everybody, and, and he was meticulous about that, and uh, just did very, very well with that. Well, on this particular game day, there were no other parents asking him for update to the game because there were no other parents. If the newspaper had printed the box score from that game the next day, they would have put the score, maybe some highlights, the time of the game, and they would have enlisted the attendance as one. Dad sat there in his chair with his clipboard and his umbrella, and he did not miss a pitch. I hope he enjoyed the game. I know that all these years later, that game is one of the greatest highlights of my athletic career, not because we won and not because I pitched a shutout, but because I could look up on that hill and see my dad through that whole game. It was a gift of his presence that I have cherished ever since. 
In the rainy days of your lives, know that your Heavenly Father's presence is real, and it is constant. You're probably all familiar with the poem, Footprints in the Sand, which promotes that God carries us when we struggle the most. He is there with us when times are tough, but he's there with us when times are good. And he's there with us when we don't know what to do or what's going to happen. God has given us a gentle yet firm reminder of his presence and is often the case when messages that we need to hear, that we need to understand, we have to revisit multiple times. God did us a favor and reminded us three times through, through Scripture excuse me, of these special words. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It is such an important message that it's very clearly listed three times in our Bible. Never, ever, not when it rains, not when it's hot, not when it's dry, and not when you're in your Friday and you're never sure if Sunday is going to get here. He will never leave you. And let's not forget the second part of that, nor forsake you. Forsake may not be a word that we use a lot in our common language, but it means to abandon or to renounce. And I'll tell you that God will never break his allegiance to us. He will never leave us behind, and he will never forget the relationship that we've created. Feel his presence. Know that you have it. It's a wonderful gift that our Heavenly Father has given us, and he continues to give it. Do you continue to accept it? The fourth constant is simply that a father gives. And maybe it's advice on learning a new life skill. Maybe it's spending time together, creating lasting memories. Maybe it's giving a laugh to create a little goofiness in a new and a fun environment. Maybe it's giving some good fashion advice. As I prepared for this sermon, I looked through some old paperwork, searching for two specific things. One was a picture and one was a letter. Unfortunately, I didn't find either one. Instead, I found a gift from my father that undoubtedly meant more to me when I read it a couple weeks ago and the several times since than it ever had before. I found this letter that was hand-typed and mailed to me while I was at college, and it was dated September 29, 1988. The letter was Dad's way to tell me that his cancer had returned and that he and Mom had decided to decline additional surgery and to let God run its course and let God take care of it. He had faith. In what it was. And that wasn't the gift I received. After breaking this disappointing medical condition to me, the bottom of the letter read like this. In the meantime, I will beat you at NFL picks this year. I plan to watch you play baseball again in March. I will travel out to St. Louis to visit Rachel. I will root for the Southern Rams. I will cut the grass, walk with Charlie, our dog, and keep making more great sermons. I love you, Johnny. Let my love be a source of strength to you, Dad. Let my love be a source of strength to you. That was a gift in 1988, but I didn't realize just what a gift it was at the time. I guess this is one of those examples of a gift that keeps on giving, and it is every bit as much a gift to me today. You see, there's cancer and there's best laid plans, and there's love. And the greatest of these is love. That brings us to the greatest gift from our Father, our Heavenly Father. 
The first words from the angels to those startled and confused shepherds were, Fear not. We read in the Holy Scripture from 1 John that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We love because he first loved us. Perhaps there is no greater statement about our Father's love for us than that precious verse of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He loved, so he gave. What a wonderful gift. And how do we measure this gift, this gift of love? Was it fully sent and fully spent over 2,000 years ago? Was it a moment in time? Was this love an infatuation? A passing fancy, perhaps. Now, it was none of those. Psalm 136.1 gives us both clear instruction and a reason for that instruction. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His love is eternal. Eternal love. Eternal. Those are the things that last. The things that survive when other things pass away. The things to which we should cling, for we are but a vapor on this earth. And from the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. On this Christmas Eve morning, I encourage you to accept the Father's gifts, Accept the lectures, accept the presence, the physical gifts, accept his presence, and accept the act of giving. Accept the gifts, give thanks for the gifts, and live your life in a way that is worthy of those gifts. That's what counts. The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. He is born. Accept the greatest gift ever given, as given from our Father. Hallelujah, and amen, and Merry Christmas. Bow your heads with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for our togetherness. We thank you for this season. But most of all, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. A lowly babe in a manger hardly told us what was going to happen and what this would mean to us for the rest of our lives. The miracle of salvation through his resurrection started with the miracle of his birth. Let us focus on that gift. Let us take that gift and use it daily and know that your presence is with us all the time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this season. And thank you for those of us that have joined together. We pray all these things in your wonderful name, your name that has given us so much. Amen. Would you stand and join us in singing one final hymn, number 94?